Welcome to University, a podcast for young people navigating life's big transitions. I'm Anne-Marie Ceresso, your host. On University, you'll hear stories from college students, you'll get tips from experts, and occasionally you'll hear from a parent's perspective on how to manage this time of change in your life consciously. Find yourself, find your purpose, find your people, and pursue you fearlessly. Hey everyone, Anne-Marie here. I'm excited for you to meet Olivia Royal this week. Last week when we talked with Joe, we talked about ways to prepare yourself for the college application process and how important, of course, your GPA and test scores are. However, we can't forget that one of the most important things you need to do is to distinguish yourself by finding your passion. And that's why I'm so excited to introduce you to Olivia this week. Olivia knew from a really early age that she wanted to be an artist, specifically a singer-songwriter and a producer. And she recognized really early on that school was a game and she needed to do whatever she needed to do to get the grades so that she could pursue what she really wanted. And then the most interesting part of this interview with Olivia is that she chose to forego a full ride scholarship to go to the school of her dreams and take on a ton of debt. I think you're going to find this really, really fascinating. It's probably a two or three part series. You're only going to get the first 30 minutes of our interview. And I look forward to bringing you more on future episodes of University. But in the meantime, hang tight and enjoy the conversation with Olivia. All right. So today we are talking to Olivia Royal. Olivia, hi. Gray. Hi. <laughs> hi. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Um, Olivia, you grew up in Oak Park, Illinois, and you went to mm-hmm. Oak Park River Forest High School, which mm-hmm. is your local public school. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Tell us uh, where you are at college, where you are in your college career, and, mm-hmm. um, and tell us how you got there. Um, so I am a leaving sophomore year, rising junior at NYU the Tisch School of the Arts, the Clive Davis Institute of Recorded Music. Um, But yeah, it was just like my dream school from like eighth grade. Um, I found that program and I just knew throughout high school, I was like, no, I need to be there. So, and so here I am. So you found the program when you were 13 years old in eighth grade? Yeah, I don't know. I am... My brother tells me I was like weird as like a, like I'm like a weird child because I, um, I don't know. I never, I mean, I always wanted to do music. That was always a goal. And I don't know. I like, I'm not like hanging out with Clive Davis or I wasn't like around the music industry people before getting to college. So I was like, well, I don't know how I'm going to accomplish this. And the only way I could figure out to do that would be through school and connections that I would get through school. So I remember like really young, but I always felt like regular school was sort of like this game. It's interesting to learn about things if you feel like it, but really it's about trying to follow the rules and stick to their game until you have a good enough transcript that people think means something and then you can leave and do whatever you want. 
So I figured, like, I remember being eight years old and being like, okay, I'm going to maximize my options and do really well. Plus, you know, it was sort of expected of me pretty young that I would do well, which I think probably helped motivate me to do that. And I just remember being like very young and being like, oh, I'm going to go to literally like second grade and being like, oh, I'm going to go to Juilliard because I'm going to go to music school and that's the best music school. And like really far in the future seeing, oh, this is where I'm going to go. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to go to Berkeley because that's the best contemporary music school. And then I found Clive by eighth grade probably. And that's when I was like, no, that's where I need to go. This is fascinating to me. So there's a number of things that you said in there that are so interesting to me. The first one is you knew. There was something in you that knew. Well, first tell our listeners what you're studying. So I am studying recorded music at Clive. So that's technically what I'm getting my degree in. So I am a singer, songwriter, and producer. And I'm technically on a performer track at Clive. And what Clive does is it takes people who want to be in the music industry as it exists today in like the pop music world. Um, So anybody who wants to be in that industry, they take those people and they teach them all the different aspects of the industry so that you can all learn each other's discipline. So you could be a singer or a songwriter or a producer, but you could also be an engineer. You could want to be an A&R executive. You could want to be a manager, a booking agent, a music lawyer, whatever, all of the people. So we have to learn. So I didn't, I didn't come into Clive a producer. I came into Clive singer songwriter and I had just taken so many production courses and I realized like, it's just an extension of songwriting. Plus I was sick of waiting on largely male producers to help me with my stuff. So I became a producer, but I also, because of the classes that I took, but I also have to take classes in, you know, music business and contracts and marketing and launching your own business, um, which, and branding, you know, um, and engineering and songwriting and performing and all of it. So. So it sounds to me like you just jumped right in, right out of high school, you jumped into school and you are right in your industry. Because one of the things I'm noticing is the way you are affirming mm-hmm. who you are and what you're doing. Like, I am a singer-songwriter. I am a producer. It's not, I'm going to be. It is, I, yeah. I love the way you're affirming it. But also it speaks to, the story I'm making up over here is lots of kids transition from high school to college and they're getting their gen ed classes out of the way and they're like thinking about it in the future but you're jumping right in that's yeah no Clive definitely doesn't do that actually I think we do more of our gen eds in our latter two years because they really want us to start getting the information right out the gate and then in the latter two years the expectation is sort of that okay we've given you the information you're going to get your gen eds and that's going to help you like grow as an artist you're going to take a couple other classes that are designated to really hone in on what you're focusing on. But at this point, you've gotten all the basics, you've tested all the aspects of the industry. So now you have the ability to do it on your own outside of school. Your extracurricular is being in your field and doing what you should be doing to answer. Exactly. So one of the other things you said that was really interesting to me was um, 
this drive you had really early on and that you figured out that school is a game and that there, there was a lot of ex- there was a lot of expected of you to do well and so that's why mm-hmm. you did well who like set those expectations up um I don't know I was reading pretty early on yeah I mean I was I would I know I like my dad always likes to talk about how like we went and to the library and I got a library card when I was like three years old and all of these things. And I think it's just like people like were like, Oh, she's smart from a very young age. And like, I think that makes a difference when kids are told they're smart that they feel like, okay, well I have to prove that I'm smart. You know, they're, they're expecting me to be smart. Let me show them that I'm smart. So that was sort of the expectation. I feel like, I wouldn't say like my parents were overbearingly like, oh, you have to do well in school. Like my dad was sort of not around and my mom was single mom, like trying to pay bills. So she definitely wasn't like hovering over me to do my homework. But there was just sort of a, yeah, Olivia's going to do well in school. Like that's just what she does. That was the expectation. That's really profound that you're noticing that um, Mm -hmm. as a parent, I know that we are constantly sending unconscious messages to our kids just through the, the things that we say to them. You are noticing it. But what I'm hearing you say, it wasn't like pressure. It wasn't like no. to do well. It was just, it just was is. It is. I'm, she's going to do well. Yeah. And then you lived up to it. That's so cool. Yeah. So it sounds to me like academically, you were an accomplished student. And mm-hmm. then you have this artist side. And you always knew from a young age that the artist, the part of you that you wanted to grow was the artist in you. But what would you say to people out there who are listening and who are artists? And the idea out there is not everyone can make it, right? I mean, it's rare that people really make it in the world as artists. And there's lots of messages being sent to to kids all over the place. Um, Yeah. Don't do that. You need that. You can't do that. So, right. What, what was different for you? You know what? I really think that 90% of the people who are, want to be artists and like, quote unquote, don't make it, weed themselves out. There are always going to be people who tell you you can't. And then it's up to you to basically tell them to fuck off. If you really internalize what people are saying to you, You just can't, like, there have been so many times, so many different rejection letters when I've submitted my music to be written about in blogs or, you know, put in playlists that they're just like, well, we just don't like your voice or, you know, your voice is great, but we really just don't like the production or the song. And you just have to be basically like, get all that feedback and just be like, yeah, I don't give a fuck what you have to say. I'm just going to keep doing it. And I really think that what ends up happening for a lot of people is they just end up believing that they can't, like people tell them they can't and they're just like, okay, I can't. Right. They give in. Yeah. So, and I think it's really a hard thing to not give in to, but I think ultimately if you want to do anything artistic and creative, that you just have to withstand that. So you have to be able to 
um, take the feedback and then not absorb it. Right. You're like, if I want this feedback, great. But otherwise, if I don't want it, then it doesn't mean anything to me. Has any of that feedback ever been helpful to you? Um, I would say not so much like the, the feedback I get from blogs are just, yeah, we didn't like it. Sorry. Um, but school is a lot more about constructive, incisive feedback. And before I released this project that I've been releasing, I went back to my teacher like four times and played him every song on there. And I just took notes and he was like, change this, do this. I recommend this. And I went to a family friend tone, um, and asked him for feedback. I went to, um, this producer I met who's an in-house producer at Atlantic, Ebony Smith. And I got feedback from her. Like I, and I played it for all my friends and I was like, well, what do you think about this? And like, I'm not opposed to feedback, but what I think is important is that you take what you like and ignore the rest. Yeah. I think that's such like profound advice is take what you like and ignore the rest. And also that feedback is important, right? Yeah. yeah. And getting feedback from people you value and you trust yeah. is really, really important. And then leave the rest. Whatever is meaningless to you isn't actually intended for you. It's all about the other person. Yeah. And you can feel like in your gut, whether you're like, yeah, actually that is a really good idea that I actually want to apply to this song I'm working on. I'm going to do that. Or if you're like, yeah, this just wouldn't add to my vision of the song. Let me keep it pushing. So what do you think makes you so strong and convicted and, you know, and committed to your own internal voice and vision? Um, I think, well, I think maybe a couple of things. I think, in general, when I, growing up, in terms of having a voice, uh, like you said earlier, um, my mom has been really committed to just us all being honest with each other and straight up and authentic about whatever our thoughts and feelings. Like it's not like uh, your opinions are hidden, your thoughts aren't valued. Just say what you have to say. What I've heard a lot of the times is from people observing our family is they're like, wow, I was never that honest with my parents. I grew up in a household where it was very much valued my thoughts and opinions. And, you know, I was never told that I couldn't do anything. Like, I still believe that if I wanted to drop music today and become an astronaut, like I could do it if I wanted to. I don't really want to, but I could, you know, because I was just sort of like, I'd grown up like, you have all the tools, um, go do whatever you want. There's no, nobody telling me that I couldn't. And I just feel like I was also taught that I shouldn't spend my life having anxiety about like money, for example, but what I should be able to do is live a life that makes me feel happy and fulfilled rather than worrying about having a survival mindset. So, you know, in terms of like pursuing my vision, I pursue it because this is what would make me most happy. And I, the money will figure itself out. 
Yeah, well, that's a big one because going to college is flipping expensive. And I think there's so much fear around um, paying for college and how kids are going to pay for college and how parents are going to afford college. And um, I, I want you to talk a little bit about that. You know, how was your education being paid for? Tish is not a, school, a cheap school to come from. How did you no. grow up? What was your financial situation like growing up? And mm-hmm. talk a little bit about all that. And, and then how you got to Tish. Yeah. Um, so growing up, you know, it's very interesting um, to be black and benefit from a lot of white privilege being mixed. Um, because we definitely did not have a lot of money growing up because my mom was, you know, 19 when she had me, she's a single parent. She was working like four or five jobs at a time sometimes. And it was, you know, we, so we were very much like, you know, like didn't have health insurance. Lots of times bills were not paid. Like lived with family members. So growing up, that was how it was. But what is interesting is that I benefited from the fact that like my mom's family had the resources to make sure we were never going to be starving and on the street. You know, so we always had, we always had a support system, even though we didn't have money um, to allow us to continue on moving forward and on. Um, so then as I've gotten older and my parents have gotten older as well, and they're not, you know, my mom's not 25 anymore. Um, and she has her own, um, her own career that she loves. And, you know, she's making much more income than she did when I was growing up. Um, but it was still an issue when it came to college because, you know, when you're, poor, basically they do everything to keep you poor and you just end up racking up debt. And so she basically said to me, you know, I can help you with allowances and travel money and the rest, I can't do anything for you because we have X amount of debt that we have to pay off from when, even though, even if we're not poor now from all the money (laughs) that we racked up in debt from being broke when I was younger, basically. And that, you know, there, it wasn't like there was like, uh, an ability to save for college when I was younger. It was like, okay, are we going to eat? Are we going to save for her college? Like that just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so basically, um, I got to senior year of high school and, you know, but even though we didn't have money for college. My mom was like, I believe you'll be able to go wherever you want to go. Money will work itself out. Um, I applied to NYU and that was my number one school. That was my dream school. And I'd gotten waitlisted. And then I had also applied to Howard University and I had gotten a full ride there. And so my initial thing was just like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to Howard, even though basically I'd applied to Howard because I really value the culture of an all black school with such a long history, the legacy. I thought it would be a great community to be in like that part of Howard. I really was in love with, and I think still would be an amazing experience, but they didn't have, I applied to all music schools and Howard and Columbia University. And those were the two non-music schools. 
And they just didn't have any of the academics I was looking for. So when I got this full ride, I was like, okay, well, you know, I have a full ride. I haven't gotten into NYU yet. So I guess I should just take it because it's a full ride. Like it doesn't make sense to go into debt and, you know, they're offering to pay for everything. Like, let's just do it. But I just knew I was like, in my head, I was like, I don't like, I think it'll be fun but it's not going to give me what I want. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. Like my dream since I could speak was to sing. And I don't know how I'm going to access the resources that I need while I met Howard. And I saw their, you know, Howard is really committed, I think, to educating black people to do things outside of what is stereotypically expected of black people. So I don't feel like they have necessarily put a strong emphasis on their arts department. Although I do know there have been a number of actors that have come out of Howard, but as far as music, I just found it, their program to be less than my dream, I guess. And so basically, um, so wait, so I want to pause for a minute. So yes. you get this full ride to Howard. Yes. I imagine in your circumstances, knowing that your parents aren't going to be able to pay for school and you're going to have to pay and right. find a way to pay for it and take out this enormous debt. Because by the way, you didn't apply to state schools or cheap schools. I mean, you're applying no. to really great schools with right. money, <laughs> which is <laughs> so courageous, right? So at first, I just really want to put the exclamation point on that and um, how you're stepping into this whole process fearlessly. Like I'm going to go after what I want and trust that it's going to figure itself out. Yeah. And then you've been dreaming about NYU since you're a kid and you get waitlisted and you get this full ride scholarship. So now, so now it seems like it's a no brainer, but there's a part of you in there that I hear you addressing saying, yeah, but I'm, it's, uh, it's just not, there's something in me. There's a voice in me saying it's not, totally right for me. Yeah. Cause I, even, even when I had the full ride to Howard and I was waitlisted at NYU, I was still like, well, I got into Berkeley. I got into the new school. I got into USC. Should I go there instead? This is really what I want to do. What I want to do is music. And I cannot, I'm like, I'm relying on the culture that exists in Howard for the music education and not anything I'm actually going to learn in a classroom, which is really what I would be doing when I'm going to college is taking classes. So I was just like, but I had, because I had the full ride, I was like, all right, let me accept this placement at Howard and we'll just wait about NYU. So, you know, a couple weeks later, um, I think early June, I had gotten accepted into NYU and they offered me about a quarter uh, tuition with just tuition, not include, not a quarter tuition room and board and books and fees and all that. Um, just a quarter tuition. And so, and that was, yeah. So I was, which is not terrible amount of money, but when you compare it to the actual cost of NYU, it's like, okay, well, where does the other three quarters come from? Exactly. So now you've got this enormously crazy decision to make. You've got full ride, no debt, a great... Yeah a great yeah. education, or 
um, the school of dreams, school you've been dreaming about exactly what you want to do. And you still have to come up with a fair amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. So I took a lot of time. I don't know if I took a lot of time. I think I took a lot of time, but I think probably in my heart, I was like, all right, we're going to NYU now. Um, (laughs) I feel it, but I wasn't ready to commit to it. I took a lot of time. My parents were not pushing me to do anything. They were like, well, it's your decision. Um, My family, some of, not all of my family, but some of my family was very much like, well, why would you ever go into debt? to be a musician when you have a full ride. That just doesn't make sense. Uh, well, of course. You have that voice in you too, kind of wondering a little bit. Like, it would, yeah. it would be crazy. It would be crazy. Right. I mean, not so, much, not so much that I ever doubted my ability to be a musician, um, but that I would, I was like, okay, is this, could I do it? I was like, I don't know that I could do four years of studying Like, what is the point of four years of studying psychology at Howard if my ultimate goal is to be a musician? Because I wouldn't end up putting on my dream because I went to Howard, but it would just make it that much harder and I wouldn't even know where to begin. And I definitely would not have had access to the type of information that I get from NYU currently. So I basically, I took a couple of days, thought about it, um, and I ended up, I was like, no, I, I mean, I have to go to NYU. Like, that's just it. This is what's going to help me best, give, give me the tools to best pursue what my dream has been. And the money, I just was like talking to my mom and she's like, well, the money will always figure itself out. And we really talked about like, well, what are the ways that we can do this? You know, I could appeal more financial aid, but that's not very likely. I'd applied to tons of external scholarships in high school and got not one of them. It's crazy. They always tell you, they're like, well, if you don't get money from the school, there are so many external scholarships that you can apply to. But those scholarships are ridiculously, one, they're ridiculously competitive. They're also, a lot of them are hyper-specific. And they're really hard to get, actually. Yeah, they're really hard to get. Yeah. Um, so it was not useful. I was like, well, I can keep applying for scholarships. I can, you know, save up money and I can fundraise money. Like that was basically, I was like, well, we're going to figure this out one way or the other. And I was like, all right. I told my mom, I was like, I want to go to NYU. And like her first reaction was, I am really proud of you. And I was like, What? <laughs> Like, I, like, literally not the reaction I would have expected. Like, I didn't expect her to be upset, per se. I knew she would have supported whatever my decision was, but she was, like, really excited. She was like, no, that was the hard decision to make. The easy decision would have just been to, like, be like, yeah, well, I have this money at Howard, so that's exactly where I should go. Um, and just follow that and give up on this dream of being at NYU and put myself behind in pursuing that uh, dream of being a musician. She was like, no, that was the harder choice. Like, I'm really proud of you that you're going to NYU. So basically what I ended up doing and what I've been doing is I've taken the money from the school and I've gotten a work study and I've raised a bunch of money just from friends and family who support me in this pursuit basically yep 
And I am still taking out a ton of student loans and debt. Um, right. So, you know, um, one of the things that keeps coming up in my mind as I hear you talking is um, you could have gone to Howard and had the, the money would have been easier in the short term, but your dream would have been harder. Right. Um, so it's like, which one are we going to choose to be hard? <laughs> like, right. And, and I hear you like speaking into your dream and speaking your passion and not everyone is as clear as you are, right? Like, mm-hmm. And what's coming up for me is, you know, had you not been so clear that music was your passion and, and Tish was the place to go, maybe you would have made a different decision, right? But like you knew in your heart that this was the place you needed to be and the rest would figure itself out. And so you're just trusting. And I, I just, I really... Um, I really appreciate you for taking that leap. And I'm with your mom. That's like the courageous, most courageous thing you could do. So I'm going to ask this next question. And I think I know the answer, but do you have any regrets about your choice? No, no. It is hard. What I will say is sometimes being at a PWI is hard. And sometimes I'm like, wow, it would have been really fun to be at at Howard. Um, But never am I like, I would actually go to Howard. Go back. But, What's PWI? Oh, a predominantly white institution. Okay, thank you. Versus okay. a, a historically black uh, colleges and universities, HBCU. So, like, in sometimes I, I like, um, I'll hear about friends that are at Howard, and I'm like, wow, that seems fun. But it's not in the sense that I'm like, wow, I wish I could go there. It's just sort of like, well, I had to pick between, like, cake and ice cream and I picked the cake and I'm like yeah that that ice cream still looks pretty good but I'm glad I have my cake if that makes sense like cake and ice cream together are fantastic yeah but But if I yeah I'm gonna enjoy the cake yeah exactly no yeah never once am I like yeah I wish I went to another school no no I still think Howard's a great school Well, this is it. It's not about the school. It's about finding the fit that's right for you. Right. Did you enjoy that as much as I did? I'm fascinated that Olivia pursues her vision because she knows herself well enough to know that this is what would make her happiest, even if it's a struggle to get there. She's going to pursue what she believes she most wants in life and pay attention and hear her thought process, what was going on in her mind as she navigated that tough decision. One thing I want you to notice is how often she started her sentences with, I am. She affirms who she is in every moment. I am an artist, I am a musician, I am smart. Olivia is a real creator. She's not a victim of her circumstances. And even though she didn't have money or resources for college, she applied to the college of her dreams. She got into the school she wanted because she believed it was possible. And she believed it would all work itself out. She wasn't gonna let anything stop her. So this thing that most excited me about hearing from Olivia was talking about how strong she believes in herself and that she can do anything she puts her mind to. And so can you. So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of University and be sure and check us out next week when I bring you a special guest and we talk about the difference between being a victim of your circumstances or a creator of your life. Thanks for listening to University. If you like what you heard, I would be absolutely thrilled for you to share with a friend and equally grateful for you to rate and review on iTunes. It really helps. 
You can find more information and stay in touch over at university.u on Instagram or at university on Facebook and Twitter. I really hope to see you there. If you'd like support navigating the chaos and you're ready to create a more fulfilling life, I offer live weekly group coaching sessions every Thursday from four to five central time. It's a place to gather together, be seen and heard, reduce your stress, learn how to take back control of your life again. Give the first week a try for free and check it out. You can find out more at the link below or ping me on Facebook and Instagram for more.